The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm. Mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. I participate in McDonald's. Welcome into the December 6th edition of the PFF Forecast. We've got some great questions from the dark web. We are going to intersperse our three questions for the league into the game picks, and we've got a little under two-minute discussion of the MVP race. Let's rock. Your dirty dancing was a little mellow today. Feeling clean today, George. Uh, it's it's a serious week of football. We have to be prepared. It's the not real. The, the best real, game of the week is not you know Minnesota versus New England. So real we have to, football is going to be played this yeah. week. The weather is cold, crisp. Um, I don't even know if teams are going to try throwing the ball. Well, I don't even bold. really feel like throwing the ball this week. You know, I just it's too cold. It's nice weather out right now. It's too cold. It's going to be uh, 35, 30, 30 to 35 in Chicago this week, but no wind. So See. this will be a real test of whether the weather is uh, is going to rear its ugly head. Do you think head. Trubisky plays, being kind of a you know southern boy from North Carolina <laughs> I in think, 35 degree weather? I think he plays, but... Um, Chase Daniel, more of the Missouri... You know he he he's the college. Chase Daniel super short too, which I didn't realize until watching the coin flip between him and Eli Manning, and Eli <laughs> looked like a giant. And I was, oh, it's wow. like the only time Eli Manning's ever phys- been been physically, physically imposing. imposing. Yeah, that's going to be a great game. Very excited about it. Um, Chicago's a great place. Interesting. Um, uh, tell me more. It's just you know it's not it's not quite as big as new york city obviously okay so you can sort of you know get around a little bit more easily it's like a fat it's like a bears defense kind of not being <laughs> as fast or big as as another team uh but being fast yeah uh there's some really good restaurants okay um th- the people are interesting you know it's a little diverse uh city unlike some other cities that we've been to so i'm excited interesting tell me more you know, I, I'm just prepared. Okay. I'm really prepared for Chicago. Um, Being prepared seems to be something of an exotic bird this week. Yeah. Well, you know, look, it, you don't, I don't go to a city and not, you know, for example, um, good place called RPM Italian in okay. Chicago. Um, they, they've got an imported burrata, which is really strong, sets the tone of the, of the meal really well. The focaccia is house made. It's something that's really consistent. Uh, basically a staple um, to the meal. You really can't miss it. There's Caesars prepared at the table, Oh, which it, that's how you know you know it's really a good Caesar. Mm-hmm. And so it makes a lot of plays uh, on the palate that you're probably not expecting. Uh, to be, they can do really whatever you want. If you're looking for a simple pizza, they've got a charred pepperoni pizza that is just 
really something to die for. If you're into seafood, they've got you covered there. The spicy king crab pasta. It's house-made. I'm so really irritated it, I didn't take a, a video of this so I could tweet it out. It's versatile. Um, and and that's really the number one thing that you can look for in a player uh, at, at any meal that you're having. And then, of course, you know you can't forget about the main component of every meal, which is you know, the steak that you're going to get. And uh, they simply have a bone-in ribeye that uh, is unparalleled. The way that it gets to uh, the forefront of your evening, it's it's just a main player at all times. And then the sub- right, I got to get on Twitter. I got to get the on Twitter The sub-packages that they have are nothing to be messed with either. House-made two-order gelato on the back end, uh, that's, you know, when you come out with, with three, four wide and you're really looking for a large meal and they've got that type of sub package. Are you the best way. food the describer fried, in the world? The fried olives. that they <laughs> Are we going to have to put this on video and put it on Twitter and describe you as, as something extraordinary for knowing things? The fact that I can read a menu for a place that I'm intending to go this weekend is something that makes me simply on a different yeah. level one of 32 right. a different level of traveler <laughs> <laughs> did i nail that i thought you did yeah it was yeah. great uh um we <laughs> the, the amount of the amount of just people getting on their knees for this there's like a lot of sore kneecaps this morning the two a of lot us of sore the kneecaps. two of us literally know the starting co- 11 for the bears defense and we are you know we are not the head coach of an nfl team Kudos to Sean McVay for doing his job. I thought it was, I thought it was great. The, the only thing that was cool about that, I said this last night, it wasn't that he knows the names of the guys that play defense for the team that he is about to play, especially given that he is the offensive uh, coordinator and head coach for his team. That's not the incredible part. The incredible, incredible part is also not that he gave a scouting report by simply saying who the all, players are. Oh, all 11 players are good. What was cool about that, was that he said all of those players were good, which is something that we have seen by a guy named Bill Belichick just last week when he praised vociferously the defensive mind that is Mike Zimmer and then soundly went out and put together a defense that made his quarterback looked, uh, look like a replacement-level player who was also getting $84 Cluster for a quarterback. Guaranteed. Yeah. So that was the only cool part about the quote. Yeah, yeah. For sure, and uh, and obviously they needed to build a uh, uh, cutoff hoodie emoji for that particular uh, reference. But oh no, well done, George. Um, <laughs> let's 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 look at a couple uh, questions from the dark web. I'm going to tee you up here for a possible Sampo Ranta, as usual. Brought to you by yeah. Sampo Ranta, a sparkling water for men. Finally, Finally. yeah. And uh, they understand how much men love both football on Sunday and sparkling water. So they are coming out with a new flavor every week to make sure that each week provides you with the flavor blast in your mouth that you need. Blast in the mouth, for sure. So this week's flavor is menstrual mango with a splash of midlife crisis for when you get a little emotional and decide to tweet it out to the world. Have a little menstrual mango right by your side. It will make sure that you get out all of your feelings uh, shout out to PFF Steve, whose Twitter timeline just a is a glass current, case of emotion. It's currently <laughs> a just you can't read it and <laughs> not cry. Uh, it's touching. Gets to, just tugs on your heartstrings. All right, we've got a 
let's start with this because we're in the right headspace for this. Uh, cl- at Clavis Ra tweeted, War, wins above replacement, is not value, and stats can't capture value. Leadership, communication, versatility, making teammates better, clutch situational play. My fingers these, are getting ball bug-like here trying these to count all matter. These, these matter. These <laughs> matter. MVP arguments require an essay answer, not a stat sheet. Tell me more. I've just begun. I agree with him, and I've started writing an essay. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's called On Sean McVay. Oh, interesting. Interesting that you can't capture how good a coach is with, uh, <laughs> you can't with look, numbers as much as we've you tried. You can't look at the stat sheet. you got to go into the huddle. you got to go into the locker room, You're and right. you've got to feel the culture because things like leadership, making teammates better, yeah. clutch situational play, none of those things ever show up in wins and losses, which is why you really can't say that Hugh Jackson wasn't potentially the most valuable coach in the league. Yeah, I mean, Matthew Dellavedova, you know, you, you, the, we will <laughs> never know never. what kind of value he had on the Cavs, uh, you know, getting a 2-1 lead against uh, the Golden State Warriors a couple years ago. All right, uh, we do actually have some real questions. So one is about whether Zeke should be an MVP candidate. Do you think the Cowboys would have a win without him? They've never done it before. Eric, I'll let you go on this one. Yeah, they've never done it before. Um, Obviously, like, yes, the Cowboys would have a win without him. Uh, A single one? Their defense is far more important to their team uh, than than their running back. And in addition, their quarterback being a couple shades to the right of – Awful has also helped uh, the last uh, month or so. Um, I, I responded with this, you know, mention that of course they went three and three last year without him. They went twelve and four in twenty fourteen. And now I'm not trying to throw shade at Mr. Murray here, but to a running back who was useless the following year in Philadelphia and who is now retired just a couple years later. So um, not that Zeke isn't talented, not that Zeke what Zeke does isn't impressive, but he also averaged like three point one yards per carry against the New Orleans Saints on Thursday night. So, I don't know. The, and, then, and then basically he responded with, you know, well, everybody's talking about Todd Gurley as if he's an MVP candidate. Zeke is just as good, to which we respond, Todd Gurley is not an MVP candidate. He, he's not. And the crappy thing about this whole discussion is always you say Todd Gurley's not an MVP candidate. Well, why do you hate Todd Gurley? I, don't hate Todd Gurley. Like Todd Gurley. Seems like a cool dude, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, he listen. Uh, his workouts seem pretty cool. He posts some videos of those. Always appreciate checking those. He's been out. nice to our friend Steve on the internet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, here's the thing though: if you're Todd Gurley, you should think you're the MVP. You should get pissed off at guys like Steve for saying that you're not. That's perfectly fine. Probably shouldn't use that language. Um, you know, calling him an analyst. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but really, shouldn't shouldn't use that language but here's the thing um todd Gurley is a is a beneficiary of one of the best offenses in the nfl and if you can't see that by by watching you if you just watch three games you pick three random rams games and you actually watch them closely and you can't figure that out I, yeah prayers I, prayers and you thoughts. might not you might not want to tweet about football um, you probably don't want to tweet about football regardless. <laughs> I would advise not doing so in every situation. Uh, okay, we have one more question. So so this is by Orisic Justin, mm-hmm. uh, PFF Eric and PFF George. What was LT's grade his MVP year? Did he deserve it? 
what if Aaron Donald breaks the sack record? Does he deserve it then? Well, here's the and I obviously thought this was Ladanian Tomlinson at first, <laughs> yeah. and so I was like, he's a running back, so no. And we don't have grades before twenty. But this is, I think, referring to Lawrence Taylor, his nineteen eighty six, uh, his nineteen eighty six NFL MVP season, a year in which the Giants went fourteen and two, uh, and a year that they won the Super Bowl. Um, that is a good question. I mean, the league is totally different, right? The league is not uh, even this season, right? Over unders are like two points higher. Right. Total scoring is four points higher. So it is it is tougher to go backwards in time and say, you know, what what is what was valuable in 1986. I would have ventured to guess though that the best quarterback in the NFL that season probably deserved the MVP more than LT did. I would agree with you. I don't think we can say that conclusively, so we won't. That issue is of course with the mvp conversation we can maybe talk about this for like 30 seconds now is that people will never be able to totally divorce value and performance Mm -hmm. and that's the unfortunate part of this conversation so aaron donald can be performing at a higher level relative to the rest of his position than any other player in the nfl by a massive margin which i think he is and he can not be in the top 15 in terms of adding value to his team simply because of what his job is. And that is not a knock on the player. That is his position, just like it is not a knock on Todd Gurley that he plays in an offense that gives him a, enough space where there aren't defenders on the screen. That's not his fault, and he's yeah. doing what he should be doing with it, but that does not make him an MVP candidate. It doesn't make Aaron Donald an MVP candidate, even though he's doing something ridiculous. It's simply uh, you get pressure on 25% of your plays, and even on those 25%, the quarterback still has an opportunity to beat you. And that really just says all you need to know about why the quarterback is a more valuable position because he, on every single play, is dictating the success of the team and can mitigate uh, the pass rusher. This is even more ridiculous. So in 1986, Dan Marino had 44 touchdown passes. Hmm. Seems low. So they were. Do you know Pat Mahomes has forty-one? He does actually. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Better so there than, was probably a better candidate there, even though the Dolphins went eight and eight that year. Uh, still, probably one of those where morally you want to take the guy with forty-seven hundred yards in nineteen eighty-six and forty-four TDs. No, uh, nothing has changed since the mid-eighties to right now. People don't seem to realize that history repeats itself, and it goes in twenty-year cycles. So actually, right now is more like the mid-80s than we've probably ever been. Interesting. Yeah, there you go. So as we get into the game picks for this week, you need to make sure that you are ready to enjoy the games this week because there's some bad ones. There's some stinkers. And mybookie.ag allows you to enjoy every single sporting event that is on your television, even if it's not Sunday, if it's Thursday night, if it's Friday night, if it's Wednesday, some crappy college game. They make it exciting. There's nothing better than being able to watch a game and have a little bit of an investment on it. MyBookie.ag makes that possible. They even have in-game live betting. So if you, you, know, you walk in, you stumble in on the second half, they still got some uh, opportunities for you to enjoy. Use promo code PFF to get a dollar-for-dollar match on your first deposit. It is very simple. PFF plus MyBookie.ag. Say it with me. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, let's jump into some games here. Got a good slate this week. Uh, let's start starting with, with uh, Army minus seven against Navy in Philadelphia. George, your thoughts? 
those are my thoughts. Okay. Gonna we go, li- back, we like gonna army. go back to my Italian uh <laughs> we like Italian army menu here. <laughs> let me just let me just tell you something about the Barada here for a second. Uh Jacksonville, Tennessee, the Thursday night game. So if you're listening to this on Thursday before having watched this spectacle, the total right now is at thirty seven and a half. Yeah, and this has actually changed to a green line pick as the as the numbers moved. If this doesn't spell excitement, I don't know what does. Titans favored by five. Okay, let me ask you this. If the if Blake Bortles is playing for the Jaguars and the Titans are favored by five, um is everyone like my question basically is do people have a stronger view of the Jaguars with Blake Bortles than they would if Cody Kessler was playing? Because that's what I think this line says. I think five point I think the Titans being favored by five, I think if Blake Bortles is playing, I think this is four. Yeah, and and this has moved right. So this is, this was at one time four and a half. It was four. Now it's five. Five is sort of the spot now where we actually have Jacksonville as a pick uh, uh, against the spread here. So um, yeah, I don't know. I my thing is is Kessler has been interesting, right? He has a an eighty point four passer rating. Really the word you use when clean interesting and eighty eight passer rating when under pressure. He has zero big time throws. Uh, he yeah, has fewer turnover-worthy plays than Marcus Mariota. Uh, the Titans are the most enigmatic team in the NFL. They would not have been able to cover this number against the Jets at home last week. Uh, so I just, I, I just don't see, the, with this total being 37.5, I just don't see this being a touchdown game. I think it's a field goal game on either side, in which case uh, I don't really care who the Jaguars quarterback is. If there's a game that is not a touchdown game, by definition, it's Jaguars-Titans on Thursday night. Jets at Bills. The Which game is worse, Jacksonville-Tennessee or Jets-Bills? You well, have to watch one. Which one are you watching? Oh, Jets-Bills because the quarterbacks are interesting. That's true. The, the so first that being picks. said, Josh Allen has been really good over the past couple of weeks. Um, and still... Under pressure is completing 28% of his passes. That's not good. The nice thing about Josh Allen is that he is a generational runner. And we know just what type of a catalyst that can he, bring to they, the team. Charles, so this was a pick on our picks column. And it was, one, it was an example. Like if you look at our accuracy, it was a win for us on Tuesday at plus five. It was a loss for us on Sunday at plus three and a half. This was a game that you know Buffalo pushed four last week. By yeah. basically Josh Allen not being able to throw the ball 40 yards in the air to a wide-open Charles Clay on a fourth yeah. down. So uh, I think Allen can, keep, so Allen can keep them in games with his legs, but I don't necessarily know if he can kind of like win them, the, you know, get them ahead and win that way. It, well, how repeatable. Yeah, um, it just doesn't, yeah, like you said, A repeatable. lot of those plays that he is making are out-of-structure pass plays. I would feel a lot better if, if a lot of those were like designed yeah. – running which i think would be a little more sustainable the bills are favored by three and a half that's saying that the bills are a better team than the jets on a neutral field both teams suck yeah they the, both the jets absolutely suck the jets have had one of the easiest schedules in the nfl this year and still sit at three and eight it, it's not great i do think uh that uh that darnold is playing it sounds like so we have him in our model that would give us again if you're giving a field more than a field goal to either side of one of these teams i think that the the underdog has value so I think that's where we're at here. All right. Um, let's save the Sunday night game for later. Let's go to Carolina. 
Cleveland. Uh, the Panthers visiting the Browns are the road dog. They're favored by about a point and a half, depending on where you go. And I'm not saying that the Browns are good, but the Panthers have just taken a nosedive. Yeah. They have not been very solid. Yeah. I'm never a fan of making the Browns favorites, but I feel like this should be a pick em. Yeah, Cam Newton is, I think, a better, far better player from a prospect perspective at 6-2 and two than he is at 6-6. Six and six. He's kind of a front-runner. Um, his pass rating when under pressure this year has been 40.2. Pass rating when clean is three times as high. Cleveland has a pretty good pass rush with Miles Garrett uh, and uh, the, the uh, Ogunjobi, etc. Um, Cam Newton almost twice as many turnover-worthy plays as big-time throws. Uh, I think Mayfield's on the other end, twice as many big-time throws as turnover-worthy plays. So in a weird way, you're getting the uh, Panthers being home favorites here. You're getting the better quarterback getting points. Yeah, road favorites. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so the, the Browns would be the side that I would go towards. Atlanta Green Bay. Oof. Uh, you know, it was funny, I, and I hate that people just you know use this as an opportunity to rip on people, but it was funny because someone posted Tony Romo's preseason Super Bowl pick. Do you want to guess what it was? Uh, Falcons. Who's bad in the AFC? It should have been good. Falcons, Ravens. Nope. Both teams are wrong. Okay, Packers. Uh, Packers, Bengals. No, it was actually very predictable once you thought about it because it was a game that Tony Romo did, the AFC Championship game where the Jaguars. Oh, Packers, Jags. And it was Packers, Jags. Golly. Um, now. The Jags have been dead for so long, I didn't even, didn't remember, even remember. remember them as a contender. Yeah. So the Packers with Joe Philbin are five-point favorites in this game. Joe Philbin hasn't called an offensive play since 1996. And he won't after this week either. So they were The Packers opened as six-point favorites. This number has moved down to five. That's the direction our model is, is working with. So uh, Both these teams are garbage. Yeah. So why are the Packers favored by... Lambeau Field's tough place to win, yeah. as, as Arizona showed last week. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, come on. The The Falcons um, are not great. I'm not going to stand for oh, them anymore. No. But uh, they haven't scored a first-half touchdown in three weeks. But look, when you're in the fourth quarter and Aaron Rodgers is uh, on his seventh throwaway of the game, and they're down by five trying to make a comeback. Just just remember that the Falcons were the right side of this. Um, this is all I want to say about this game. The, the Aaron Rodgers thing is really interesting. I think Peter King wrote about it this week. Some interesting nuggets in there. Um, but uh, whether you place the blame on McCarthy or Rodgers, it'll be very interesting to see how they play this yeah, week. Yeah, for sure. I uh, think I think... I think people will draw a lot of conclusions from this week in either direction, and they'll probably be too strong. Yes. Uh, real quick, if you could pick a coach to go to the Packers, who would it be? Well, I grew up not liking the Packers, so Jeff Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whether you like them or not, that would be a beautiful thing. Uh, if you're a Packers fan, if you just want to watch the Packers be great, who are you going with? Um, Lincoln Riley. Sean McVay. Uh, like a, a reasonable. Is Jim Harbaugh reasonable? Yes. Okay, well then Jim Harbaugh. Okay. I would go with Cliff Kingsbury. You're welcome. Yeah, but 
do you think Rodgers do you think Rodgers has the the fortitude to no. to be around somebody that much better looking than him? I think him and Kingsbury would him and Kingsbury are like at the same level. So I don't think you can grab Lincoln Riley feels a little young to me. He also doesn't have he doesn't look as good as Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> okay, that's that's basically what I'm trying to say. He's a he's a he's an increase Kingsbury, over McCarthy though. King, I love Lincoln Riley and I want to see him go to the Browns. Really, that's one of the main reasons why I'd like to see Kingsbury go to the Packers because I think Riley's going to team up with Mayfield. But Kingsbury and Rodgers, when I look at the two of them, I see guys that would see eye to eye that would work as a combo, much the same way that Goff and McVeigh have. Both a bunch of young guys that are. Yeah, first opportunity, and they bought in together. They feel like it's a fifty-fifty um, you know, kind of uh, marriage. There, I, I just think it would work really well. Kingsbury's such an innovative offensive guy. Offense wins. So, what if we're at February first, and the Browns haven't picked their coach yet? Because we know why. <laughs> and <laughs> and then, and Lincoln Riley's that that girl that's sick and tired of not being asked to prom because she's waiting out yep. for the one person in line to get out. It's he, does, does he go to Green Bay then? It's really interesting because you would have said two weeks ago, I would have said there's no way Lincoln Riley gets past the Cowboys, right? Yeah. Like that'll force the Browns to make a move. But now with the Cowboys renaissance, which we'll get to here in a second, that that is interesting. I, I think it's really fascinating. And there's not a lot of established head coaches that are I out I love there. that you don't immediately dismiss my, uh, my who's the next coach of the, the Cleveland Browns. And I think I'm making some progress. Nope. <laughs> No, you are not. We're not even going to deign to talk about that. Colts-Texans. This Ooh, is a, good game. Good, good game. game. Th- this was, of course, the game where Frank Reich uh, at home went for that fourth and four, uh, basically gave the Texans an opportunity to then win the game. So he, f- he gave up. Uh, you know, if, if, they, if they just punted away, almost probably would have been a tie. And the interesting thing was the Texans' defense not being very good Gave them a solid chance of completing that that fourth down. A lot of field to work with. And the play choice was subpar. Throwing outside the numbers to a guy that is not established by any stretch. Uh, kind of where the Texans have been weak over the middle of the field the entire game. And that's where luck had been going. So the play call marred the decision, which uh, the numbers... Is usually the case when it, when it doesn't yeah, work. When it doesn't work. <laughs> So that in the back of everyone's mind, the Texans having won 75 straight games, the Texans are favored by four and a half. And it, I like I like the Colts. Is this like pick the of the week material? I think it could be. Okay, yeah. I mean, to me, this is a classic game. It, much like last week with Jacksonville Indy, we said this, you know, Jacksonville Indy was Indy minus three at home just two weeks prior, swings all the way to Indy pl- minus four on the road. Mm-hmm. And it's like that big of a swing is simply not, I think, feasible. Again, we don't get as big of a swing here, but what we get is a Texans team, as you said, on a nine-game winning streak. The Colts just losing sort of an embarrassing game against Jacksonville. I think this is an overreaction. I think these teams are pretty close in terms of talent. Uh, the Texans are kind of banged up. I know probably all these guys will play, but there's always an issue here. Watson with the shoulder, Kareem Jackson, Jonathan Joseph, uh, both with lower body injuries, DeAndre Hopkins with a foot. I know that they're all going to play, but 
uh, you know, are they slowed a little bit? And again, I don't think a team, I don't think a team coached by Frank Reich is going to come out flat two consecutive games, especially offensively. There was a great article in the Athletic about how he went through his process of going for it on fourth down. Like, what were his, you know, what were his reasons? And he was saying, you know, that that jets that jets uh, motion screen to uh, um, Eric Ebron was a dumb play call. I'll never do it again. But like, you know, I just I just think. Frank Reich's great, and I think that you know, especially the way that the first game between these two teams landed, I think that the, you're going to get the best effort from the Colts this weekend. Frank Reich is great. This is the better quarterback getting points. I love Deshaun Watson. You know this. We've nope. talked about. He's great. The thing with Deshaun Watson is that every time you bet against him, you are terrified when he has the ball. <laughs> I, know. I might not watch this game. It's it's brutal. But Andrew Luck has been the better player this season. Deshaun Watson. Less big-time throws than turnover-worthy plays so far this season. Yeah. And he's got to cover four and a half. Yeah. Whereas Andrew Luck gets four and a half points. To me, this is uh, sort of a no-brainer. A lot of people on the Texans. The Colts just got shut out. <coughs> Perfect spot. Baltimore at your Kansas City Chiefs. I just don't even know why the Chiefs are even bothering to play football now that the catalyst for their offense... Uh, this is the first PFF forecast since Kareem Hunt uh, left the team. Uh, Chiefs 0-1 since. Uh, really tough effort uh, against Oakland last week uh, in a loss. Patrick Mahomes was only able to complete the ball once to Tyree Kill. Yep. Uh, and uh, Spencer Ware and Damian Williams looked nothing like Kareem Hunt, and so it wasn't enough uh, for Kansas City. The interesting thing about this game, by the way, Kareem Hunt, what a tr- piece of trash. Uh, it's great that he's so replaceable. <laughs> that they're, literally, they're just like... I mean, don't I don't want to be cynical here, but like, is Spencer Ware maybe an upgrade? I mean, the Chiefs the Chiefs were just fine, but like better pass blocker. Yeah. You could argue they were twelve and four in two thousand sixteen <laughs> with Alex Smith playing poorly and Spencer Ware as their starting running back and a defense that's maybe better than now. Yeah. the the thing about the thing about it is I don't want to be cynical, but you know when you look at the landscape, Tyree Kill who he is, Kareem Hunt who he is, cutting Kareem Hunt is like sort of this virtue signaling. That I think like the smart team like Kansas City clearly is is just like well this gives us an opportunity to look like we have some skin in the game when we really don't because he's not valuable at all because he's a running back does not move the needle at all at all so not we saw we all. saw Vegas we saw Vegas's um, uh, Super Bowl projection for them go from five to one to five and a half to one they beat Oakland by seven I was joking earlier they beat Oakland by seven which is not impressive at all. It goes back to five to one, right? So it, it's clearly just the dumb money that thinks that Kareem Hunt is really going to have any sort of uh, influence on this on on this game, and then this all is, the games this moving is forward. A direct, this is the impact, one of the impacts that fantasy football has had on the football landscape yeah. because so much of what people watch, you know, Sports Center, NFL shows. Is to get fantasy advice, and so people are realizing, well, okay, well, they want to hear about running backs and whatever. So, like, Kareem Hunt, a top pick goes out, and people are just, yeah. well, that must matter. It matters to your fantasy team, and your fantasy team could you, not be further away. Here's a question. From I don't, real football. don't want to waste any more time, but here's a question: Do you think? <laughs> do you think? Do you think people wanting other teams to run the ball more is a product of fantasy football? Like, I'm. Let's say I start Kareem wow. Hunt. And I'm and wow. I'm watching this game, and I'm like, "Come on, you know, like the, you watch the Rams game. Are you bouncing up and down? When you're the, the, the Rams, <laughs> the Rams Chiefs game, and you're like, okay, I started Cream Hunt this week. 
Why does he only have nine carries? I don't give a crap that the, that the, that the Chiefs have good offense. I want my carries. Like, do you think that that – because I could totally see like, that being a hidden fourth-order variable. Just like – you know, wow. like so for me – I love where your head's at. Yeah. I only play in two quarterback leagues for this exact reason. Yeah. And I find myself doing the opposite. Yeah, yeah for sure. Right? I'm always – but I, I, think we got, I think we figured it out. I so, think you're on to something. We, okay. That's great. You said let's not waste any more time. Yeah. So Chiefs favored by six and a half. Lamar Jackson, the Ravens come in. The Chiefs are the right side. Tell me why. Well, here's the thing. The Chiefs, are, the Chiefs, if they're smart, which they are, will sell out to stop the run, which they normally don't do, meaning that this probably will be a game about Lamar Jackson's arm versus Pat Mahomes' arm, which is a no contest. Pat Mahomes, pass rating from a clean pocket, 141. Lamar Jackson, 76. Let you do the math. By the way, Mahomes passing from a clean pocket is the highest we have ever seen um, since 2006. He has been absolutely unbelievable. Nearly 7% of his dropbacks result in a big-time throw. Yeah. That is very impressive. Chiefs getting uh, having to cover less than a touchdown. It just seems... Seems like a nice spot. Our numbers like it, too, so obviously that's why, that's why we're gravitating toward it. New England? Makes sense. Going into Miami, this is always a game every single season where people go, well, the Patriots struggle in Miami. They struggled last Remember year Remember when Sean Moreno rushed for 130 yeah. yards on opening day of 2014? I do. They struggled last season. The important thing to remember is that teams are different every season. And yeah. currently, Ryan Tannehill is leading the NFL in turnover-worthy play rate at 7%. It's not good. This is, this is where PFF offers a ton of value in this evaluation. Tannehill's passer rating when clean, 101.2. Mm-hmm. His passer rating when pressured, 90.1. We know that those numbers have some meaning, but his total PFF grade, 50.6. So what's happening? What's happening is that he has been buoyed by a ton of good support. Well, what does he have right now? Albert Wilson on IR, Jakeem Grant on IR, uh, Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore have played well. Their running backs, you know, regress them to the mean a little bit. Amendola questionable this week with a knee. I see the, all out. I on see Amendola. the regression. All out on Amendola. I see the I see the regression here uh, for Tannehill. Brady, on the other hand, is PFF grade just a little shy of ninety. Twice as many big time throws as turnover worthy plays. We saw it last week. Xavier Howard a little bit banged up with a knee injury. Questionable. When Minnesota's two cornerbacks were out last week, Rhodes and Waynes, he picked on them mercilessly in the second half, easily covered the number. So I don't know, man. I think we fade all of the history here. We fade the, the Tannehill truther uh, that, that has creeped into my brain a little bit here and there at times, and, and you go back New England. Would you like to know the bottom five graded quarterbacks from a clean pocket? Well, Tannehill's one. Okay, it's burying the lead there. Starting at uh, the best of the bo- best of the bottom five, Josh Allen, Mitch Trubisky, then Ryan Tannehill, then Sam Darnold, and a guy that we always forget to talk about, but love to talk about, is Brock Osweiler. So there you go. Yeah, take the Pats. Um, all right, let's uh, let's kind of try and pick this up here. So let's let's go rapid fire through the crappy games and talk about the two kind of good games that are remaining. Uh, New Orleans, Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay favored by eight on the road. You going anywhere near this game? 
It's New Orleans or pass, and I'm leaning towards pass. There you go. Uh, the under is an interesting one because I believe there should be thunderstorms. The, the tough thing is that, of course, you then have the defensive touchdown situation come into play, but 55 and a half. Yeah. Uh, the Tampa Bay has one. been a turnover machine, so they're going to have short that's, fields, I think. That's tough. Uh, Redskins and <laughs> Mark Sanchez at home against the Giants. This might be the worst game of the weekend. Yeah. Uh, the Redskins getting three and a half points. That has to be the right side. Yeah, get, hold your nose. The, the Giants... <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, just hold your. This is a field goal game. Hold your nose and bet the Redskins, uh, or not, or just don't. Yeah, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers at home. Turns out Melvin Gordon, not as big of a key as we pour one thought. out for their chances to win on Sunday night. Yeah, <laughs> the Bengals, the Bengals against Derwin James, Philip Rivers, and the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers favored by fourteen. Here's what I like about this game: the over. The Bengals aren't stopping the Chargers. And as good as the Chargers are on defense, when they're up 41 to nothing, they might take Bosa, <laughs> James, and Ingram out. Yeah. And so I think this one sails over 47 and a half. I, I, think, I think the Chargers probably cover the 14, too. So There I, you go. Yep. Denver at San Francisco. No Emmanuel Sanders. This is cool. sad because Emmanuel Sanders is a fun player, plays in the slot, plays out wide. It's been productive pretty much the entirety of his career, even with Case Keenum at quarterback. I got to think that this really hurts uh, the Broncos, and that's why I have no desire in picking any part of this This is a pass. Uh, Just for historical sake, it was five and a half early in the week. The Sanders news came out, I believe, yesterday, and it has moved a point and a half in favor of San Francisco. I think that's a little steep for a wide receiver. But it's also Nick Mullins. Yeah, it's also Nick Mullins. The Detroit Lions going into the giant beater Arizona Cardinals. There's no way the Cardinals lay an egg after winning in Lambeau. Jeez. No chance. Lions, I like your, I like your, uh, your uh, bird joke. Thank you. Uh, two birds, one scone. Did you know scones are also made with animal products? I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> the Lions having to cover three points on the road at first seems horrifying but then you realize it's the cardinals so here's my thought i like the i like the lines against the spread the numbers like the lines against the spread i like the over 40 and a half maybe a little bit more because i think if the lions cover four and a half then you probably go over do you know what this game reminds me of thursday night football denver arizona we had the over it was about the same number and we sort of were like well how is arizona going to do this well arizona is going to do this by throwing two pick sixes to chris harris that's how it's going to happen i don't know if i don't know if uh, the detroit lions will offer that up but i do know that their cornerbacks have been among the worst this season uh, aside from darius slay so i think yeah I, th- I don't think there's any way that this doesn't uh lines are banged up i don't know it, it's a it's a low number for tw- yeah 2018. Uh, this was a better pick at two and a half obviously than it was at three again our numbers are sort of moving towards where the market is so uh, Pitt- pittsburgh oakland uh you have 15 no, seconds no that's good undershot it we have 10 seconds now uh let's quickly talk about what probably is the second maybe maybe the best game of the week seattle three-point favorites hosting the Vikings, a very big game in the wild card discussion. Okay, let's, let's start here. The quarterback position. Russell Wilson at home versus Kurt Cousins on the road. Yeah, arguably better than Winston. Arguably. I would say this is a massive 
discrepancy in quarterback play. And at three, I would lean towards the Seahawks, especially at home. Um, that that is that is a real home field advantage. Yeah, for sure. And and the Vikings are a team that has a poor offensive line, so you exacerbate that with with an actual real home field advantage for Seattle. Seattle is very plucky defensively, I think. Uh, Thielen and Diggs are are obviously good, but both of them are banged up. Cornerbacks banged up for Minnesota with uh, Waynes uh, and uh, and Rhodes. This just doesn't, you know, this just isn't good. And and honestly, and this again, getting back to my bias, talking about fantasy football, I have a difficult time seeing Kirk Cousins going on the road and beating a Seattle team when the Vikings need it the most. And you know, it might be one of those. I'm glad that we have a no pick on this game, but we would lean Seattle. Uh, I just don't see Kirk Cousins giving a plus effort here. Neither do I. Russell Wilson, 7.5% of his throws uh, are big-time throws. I may have said that um, Pat Mahomes was one. I believe Russell Wilson is actually. Wilson, yeah. Yeah. So, welcome. Uh, That should be a fun game on Monday night with Tess, Wynn, and Boog. The Bleacher Report, uh, Gridiron Heights was absolutely... Does Boog go... Fire this Does Boog go next level with a shot of espresso? Or espresso? Espresso. Dude, Boog is... Yeah. People hate on Witten too much. Yeah, no, he's certainly the lesser of the two. Feel uh, bad for Wit. Just out there. Okay, couple of good games here. Let's start with Philly at Dallas. When Dallas beat New Orleans, the first thing that I said was, "I cannot wait <laughs> to bet on the Eagles when they play the Cowboys again." I don't know if you know this, but defense is back, baby. Back. Defense is back. We. It, I think we both had simultaneous text uh, Skype messages that said, Philly with all of our money. <laughs> we just become best friends. <laughs> Stopsky, where are you at with that drop? Uh, the, this is, you, you watch the game against New Orleans. You go, okay, the Dallas defense played great, yada, yada, yada. But come back to what we've learned over thousands of games. That is more often than not going to tell you what's really meaningful, and that is the offense. And the Eagles' offense is better than the Cowboys. Now, people realize that, and so this line has moved subs- uh, not substantially, not but substantially. towards us. Yeah, certainly. towards us a little bit. I thought it was higher when it opened. Yeah, it's I about guess four, four and a half. Now, I it's guess three I and thought half. it was five somewhere, but um, yeah. So it's moved down a little bit, but I think the Eagles are still the right side, even at three and a half. For sure, and I, you know, I think uh, you know with the Eagles, I think the Eagles have edges in terms of their coaching Uh-oh. staff. Not analytical edges. Don't let's not get frisky here. But the, the, I think they have, I think they have edges in their coaching Doug staff. Doug Peterson knows who plays defense for the Cowboys. I think so. Yeah, he might not be able to pronounce Chidobi Awuzie, but uh, but <laughs> I don't know. So, I know Sean McVay would. Yeah. So makes so, plays on the ball. I think they have the edge of coaching. I think obviously quarterback Wentz is is better almost everywhere uh, than than uh, you know, Dak. Dak's offensive line isn't nearly as good as the Eagles' offensive line. And they're starting to get healthier defensively. Jordan Hicks is now questionable after being out for a couple weeks. Jalen Mills, however good or bad he is, is now questionable as opposed to being out for the last few weeks. Um, I think that they converge a little bit defensively here. Dallas's defense, again, I think far more a product of who they played except for the New Orleans game. But let's not allow an anomaly to rule uh, our thought process here. Yeah, uh, you know, as we get closer to Christmas... Uh, we should remember that uh, the good King Wenceslas is not to be underestimated here as we near the the Feast of Stephen, which is actually December 26th. Uh, I would look 
for Carson Wentz to really round into form here. Against Stephen Jones. <laughs> that was too much, huh? Yeah. No one's going to get that. Um, yeah, I think the Eagles are the right side. Let's go to the game of the week. This is the Rams at the Bears, and this is the ultimate test of whether defense matters. This game will decide whether or not defense or offense is most important. This is important. the litmus test, Josh. This is the <laughs> He's one. He's so many bad tweets. If it's, this, this game ends 17-14, it's going to be like, this is the one. Two straight games where defense mattered. Okay. The, let me ask you this. What is... What is the biggest matchup player for player in this game? Oh, it's, I think, the offensive line of the Rams and the defensive front of the Bears, like the front four of the Bears. Mm -hmm. And I think the Rams present an offensive line that the Bears have not encountered all year. They're they're Uh, good. I I will say this. I think think protecting Jared Goff – for the Rams is as much about scheme as it is the offensive line. Yeah. Because the the right side of the, the line, the right tackle, uh, Havenstein, Havenstein mm-hmm. is their weak link. Of course, that's where Khalil Mack will be holding court. And then the interior is not exactly strong. Where they really benefit is their ability to get guys moving horizontally, holding them with play action. Um, the outside zone scheme you know, allows him to do that, kind of cover up for some things, give Jared Goff the ability to stand there and wait for those long developing plays. Yeah. Jared Goff, the deepest average depth of target on his first look. They are scheming down the field on the first mm-hmm. look, and they are hitting it. Um, obviously, <laughs> if you just look at his numbers, I mean, yeah. it's incredible. 125 passer rating when clean. He has the third highest grade from a clean pocket, only breeze and... Ryan Fitzmagic are ahead of him. So it's really about how many times can they keep Jared Goff clean. If they can keep him clean as they've been doing this season, there is zero doubt in my mind that the Rams are going to outscore the Bears, and I think they probably outscore them by more than three. Mitch Trubisky, yeah. especially after a shoulder. Like just go back and rewatch the last Sunday night game where they ended up winning and tell me if that's a quarterback that you want to Bear, Bears fan. So it's interesting because Trubisky's had an encouraging year, period. Mm-hmm. That's it. So and 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 that's where it stops for me. Uh he does not uh be he's not able to take uh that offense and compete with the with the Rams offense. Here's the other thing. So in the midst of the Cowboys turning the NFL back to its moral standing. Yep. The Bears defense allowed 30 points to Eli Manning and the Giants last week. Granted, don't know a, few what you're them, talking about. a few of them were defensive plays. Yeah, I don't, but, I don't uh, know. I've erased that from my yeah. memory. I think if you have playmakers like the Giants do, uh, weirdly, and, and the Rams have twice as good as the Giants there, uh, I think that they can attack the Bears defense. And I think that this, as you said, uh, uh, is sort of a game where the Rams probably cover, although our model doesn't. Our model sort of like neutral on this. So here is... Um, Here's an interesting thing to look at. The Bears have converted the highest rate of turnover-worthy throws in interceptions. Yeah. It's absurd. They have they have converted 14 of 18. Unbelievable. Yep. Um, and like the other teams that are close to them don't even have uh, half as many opportunities. Mm-hmm. It's it's really incredible. So that is a skill, obviously. But the tough thing about that is it's also an unsustainable occurrence. It's luck. Right? So people, 
People get triggered when you say it's luck. It's like, no, ball skills are real. That's a skill that people work on. Yes, the opportunity to use your ball skills is a small sample, very high volatility situation. We have an education problem in this country. I, the, you will not. <laughs> Steve tweets. So, so here's the other thing with Chicago that I think is, it bears mentioning. They have had the easiest schedule yes. according to our PFF ELO metric so far this season, the easiest. Uh, opposing offenses using our PFF Massey ranking, 25th out of, tw- uh, out of 32. Again, w- they just simply haven't been tested this year. I think that this is their big test. And as you said prior to this entire discussion of this game, you know we are going to go off of base rates and the way that the league has always been as opposed to one-off games like Thursday night or one-off yep. seasons like the Bears have had this season. So... This is a game I think will be extremely compelling to watch. I, for one, am extremely happy we don't have a pick on it because I can just enjoy watching this the game. game. Yeah, no, this is fantastic. Vic Fangio does a great job. Yeah, there's nothing of, of mixing, making the Bears' defense scheme hard to figure out. Yep. Um, this will be a test for Jared Goff because he has not done much outside of structure. His plays have come from a clean pocket, off of play action. They use that jet motion more than any other team in the NFL. Are you sure? Fairly positive. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And then the 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 thing is, is that the Rams, the Rams defense to me is the perfect defense that you want to build in today's NFL. Which is, I realize that defense is just a crapshoot. Yep. So I'm just going to take guys that can make big plays. The Bears obviously have that, but the Rams have that as well. Aaron Donald, obviously, Tlaib and Peters. Um, you know, Sue's obviously still a good player. I, I think this is a phenomenal game. If I have to, I'm taking the Rams, but I think the right side is probably you just... Haven't, you haven't thoroughly di- diagnosed this game yet, so I'm going to. Prince of Mukamara, Khalil Mack, Kyle Fuller, uh, Roquan Smith. I'm just kidding. Sorry. All righty. That's... Uh, that's our show this week. Of do course, we have our pick of the week. Do we do we display it here? Okay. Nope. If you want the lock of the week, you are going to want to go to profootballfocus.com and check out our picks column. It is a terribly written piece of writing uh, that does not promote an MVP candidate, although it might this week. Maybe we change that up. Uh, if you want the lock of the week, go to profootballfocus.com and check that out. That'll be out early on Friday. And uh, enjoy. Go defense. It matters. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm. Mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mm. I participate in McDonald's.